everybody and welcome to Chris's Chat and Babble, commonly called CCMB, which some of you may know as an Oracle product. Today I've got Matt Gleason talking to me, um, just going to his LinkedIn page to check what he is, and he's now a VP at Oracle Energy and Water. I first met Matt many years ago, 20 years ago, when we were both working for SPL, which is a company prior to being acquired by Oracle. Uh, Matt was a project manager back then, and uh, he's risen strongly within Oracle as a VP now. He was a good ch guy to, to chat to. Last caught up with him in San Diego in America earlier on this year. And um, here's what he had to say. Hope you enjoy this. Yeah, first of all, sorry, Matt, how, how, how are you? I should I should ask you that question first. I'm well, Matt. I'm very good. well, thank you. Um, a surviving winter and looking forward to... Uh, uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> and the world's time. upside down. Well, we, we, yes. we met up with each other when we were out in San Diego and, uh, yeah, I can't say the weather yeah. was particularly great out there. So um, was it no, was, was, was San Diego a successful venture for yourself being there? I mean, it's the first time I've attended. Yeah, look, Customer Edge has... Uh, it's taken off for us over the years. I mean, we went from... Oh gosh, maybe a dozen years ago, we're about we had twenty customers gathered in a room. We now have over five hundred gather each year, um, and to be honest, the year of COVID when they couldn't be together, they were busting for it to come back on. So it's just taken off again. And and what's beautiful about it is, of course, it's customers talking to customers and the way that they can relay how they're getting the best advantage advantages out of out of software is one thing but that's not the biggest thing it's it's what are they doing to transform the business what does it look like for the the headwinds that they're facing and what's it look like for for their comparators across the energy landscape or, or the water landscape so how's how's COVID affected the industry because it's i, I see it's been quite different from where it was four or five years ago yeah i think so too i i do think it's it's certainly changed a lot in terms of workforce engagement. Um, it it had the challenge, I think, well, even leading up to, to 2020, there was the challenge of the aging workforce. It then became even more apparent when the, the need to be technically apt to be able to stay connected for a year, um, we really reinforced some things. But it, it also changed a lot about the way we we do things in the energy market like planning crews and you know when you had to think about things like you know having keeping crews separate so that there was no no chance of cross-pollination cross-contamination um, it was new dynamics that we hadn't had to deal with before and that that sort of remains in a lot of ways because there's some some really important things that came out of that learning which was you need to be able to cross skill. You need to be able to make sure that you have redundancy in, in capability and and that that's not a negative thing. It's actually a really big positive. So it's it has changed the way that, that things have happened. And people will reflect back over the COVID years and say, you know, that that was a staller for a lot of progress of what we were doing. Now, I, I think certainly from an environmental perspective, I think it did slow down our our focus on on climate change, on on trying to be as as effective as we could with the integration of renewables into the grid, uh, and even water conservation, all of those things, because we were fighting a much bigger fight, it seemed at the time. So we've got to pick up the pace back into looking after this planet and trying to actually make this energy transition really accelerate now that uh, 
we effectively lost a couple of years there of, of progress we could have made. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the two or three things there. One, you're talking about the water site. That's what surprised me when I was out in San Diego is actually how big a problem water is. You know, yeah. everyone's talking about electricity. That's the big headline grabber at this moment in time. Yeah. But potentially, actually, the water side is 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 the bigger. Well, from what I could see, it is as big as 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 a sort of electricity supply site. So, oh, I uh, couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. Yeah. I I think there is a future here that we're we're staring at, and in some countries more than others, where um, not only the the supply of water is, is being challenged by the fact that there are aging assets out there, there's a, there's an inherent loss of, of what we, we create that is escaping, um, but the access to, to water and to uncontaminated water is a real challenge. And I think this is probably the next 10 years are going to really bring that into, well, I guess into the what will be the household dynamics of, of people's lives. And it's sometimes not until that happens that we start to really focus on, mm-hmm. on these things. And look, if climate change was a, a peripheral thing in terms of, of what's discussed around the the kitchen table it probably would never have really pushed itself up in the agendas of corporations of businesses and uh, and now it's it's clearly a factor for everyone to be considering from from mm. the energy companies to the transportation companies to anybody engaging a logistics company it's it's all round a a big factor and that i think is going to happen with water as well because we need it for manufacturing. We need it for life. We need it for, you know, <laughs> anything. We need it for electricity production. We, we can't forget that all these things are intertwined at a point in time. Yeah, because that was the big game. One of the big buzzwords was derms. I mean, it, it, it sounds daft. I hadn't heard derms being described as derms before right. until I got to San Diego and I was busy scribbling on a bit of paper thinking, what the heck is this derms thing? And then yeah. Yeah, quite, quite, quite something there. But that's, I mean, this, this is where I see the world evolving massively you know it's always been great having all your ability to produce stuff so how does the going going to oracle how what what products has oracle got that's going to help on that side of things what what is there out there yeah so the terms is a beauty to to start thinking about because one of the things it's a really interesting space you've got a massive disruption to what's a an established mode of electricity being supplied, transported, delivered, um, and and even consumed by the customer. Um, very, very, you know, almost it seemed like it was a one-directional flow of supplier to consumer. That's just up, it's, you know, turned itself on its head with things like PV and, and you know, and even to small-scale renewables in community um, setups. That changes another level when there's an even greater infiltration of batteries into the home or into into basements of offices and the like. Uh, and then it changes again when we look at major electrification changes such as transportation, EVs that come into into play, um, or or changing over from from a dependency on gas to to electrification to take advantage of those those um, uh, home generating uh, mm. electricity outputs. So you do all of that, and then you say, okay, well, this thing's now getting to be a big big factor. 
Derms is the MS part of it is is really the, the, the key here. It's how do you manage all of this? Utilities have always forever and a day built assets, built grids, and then managed them. In this case, somebody else is building that and somebody else is actually driving the demand for that. Um, and sometimes there's some planning that goes into it from a grid perspective, but mostly it's a reaction. So we've got to find a way to, to engage the customer in that because they're now as critical a part as the asset is, as the electron flow is, uh, and as any of the planning can happen, you need to have that customer's engagement. You know that we, you, you've seen the floods, you've seen the landslides, you've seen everything that's happening. We are going to have peak events that are going to need us to understand, can we engage that customer to help us at those times? Um, or at the very least, make sure that we know where there is, is electrons flowing in the grid um, so that we can keep it safe. Yeah, it's interesting as well because I was talking to someone else in, in Australia and mm. they were saying how that with the advent of PV and the whole sort of being able to almost go down to the municipality side, you then can reduce the number of poles and lines, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So actually I hadn't quite realised what a positive effect, you know, in the UK we tend to be quite small and obviously I'm talking from a UK perspective, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at Australia, it's so vast in the US, the same type of thing. I'd never yeah. quite realized what, what positive effect that can have and actually the cost savings by installing a massive, you know, a massive battery for a town is actually yeah. a lot closer than you think. It might look expensive, but the cost of, of keeping the poles up to get the electricity to that one place of, you know, maybe 50, 100, you know, I, I don't know yeah. quite what the upper end is, but yeah, it, it, it's certainly changing the whole industry, turning things on its head. Oh, so, yeah, most certainly. Yeah. I mean, those those long lines and the, the amount of loss that you, you do experience across that line. Um, yeah, I mean, so we, we're having to generate and often using coal, having to generate a lot more electricity than actually reaches the target where it's going. So, um, you know, in far north Queensland, in, in the centre of Australia, those the, the gap between generation and consumption on a, a geographical or on, on a distance traveled can be enormous um, mm. and that's not that's not solely australia that'll be uh, if you think of any situation where you have um an island a country that's that's i don't know a, a series of islands you have a similar kind of a challenge in trying to reach energy mm. across there and um, you know, and, and some of the solves in the past have been burning oil through diesel generators and, and other things. Um, these are all things that we can we can now solve for potentially with something like a battery uh, and using what happens during the day, either or, or even in the night. The wind blows at night. If we do it, <laughs> if we do it well, we can capture it all around the clock. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it changes. I mean, I was, I was quite surprised to find out that there isn't actually in the US, there isn't a national grid. There's the West mm. Coast, there's the East Coast, and then there's a lot of gap in between that one. And that yeah. was quite a surprise to me. So that's, again, a challenge for the industry is, is, is how do you do that? Um, yeah. I, know, I know there's lots of uh, talk if you if you go on um, go on the internet, always, always a useful source of information there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, talking about, you know, 
putting putting a great big solar panel in the middle of uh, yeah. I don't know Africa or something like that. But it's great. But then how do you get that power to go somewhere? Um, yeah. It's great producing it all in one place, but it's how you then distribute that one. So yeah, um, yeah I don't think we'll quite get to the point of having container ships that get charged up to then move electricity around. It, it it's wow. uh, in theory it should be quite an easy way. So, yes. um, yeah. yeah. So so Matt, how did you get into the industry? What 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 brought you here today? Oh well. So I have to go back a bit in time now to think about that because it's um, <laughs> it's amazing how many iterations of what this industry has been uh, have gone mm. in that period of time. But I I first started in utilities back in well it was in the nineties um, and probably look very soon after I started the biggest thing happening in the IT world and. Well, all the world at the moment was the Y2K. So um, Y2K came around, utilities had old systems. It pointed to a fact that you know we, we had to do something and try and help uh, ensure that there was stability for, well, for the, the population, for the energy needs, for the water needs of, of society. Um, so Y2K was a big, big factor. And it's like if I just roll through things that happened after that, then... You have things like open market contestability rolled in. Um, you had, you know, this, this emergence of new retailers. You had uh, the sale of, of major, you know, um, government-owned utilities off to privatised utilities. Uh, you know, these these conglomerates, if you will, of, mm. of energy companies forming around the world. So it's been it's been tremendously. Uh, evolving and changing the whole whole energy mm. um, and and the water markets and it's a result of that that I've, I've probably never thought that i needed to to find another industry to keep me entertained there's always been something right. going on to uh, to keep the interest levels high but, but what year because we, we obviously met first of all through spl mm. which was the precursor to being to being oracle the company that was yeah. then bought so is it just spl that you work for or have you did, were you somewhere else no, so prior to that, I mean, I I really have followed data most of most of my life. Uh, in the early days of my career, in fact, my my first job after after study was uh, was in the the stock exchange here in Australia, and, and we were running the the settlement system for them, which was tremendously uh, immense data volumes, tremendously mission critical time wow. timeliness, and and. That you know, reducing outage periods was was of course imperative. Uh, that was back in the day on on digital RDB and uh, using Deck Alpha systems and and a whole heap of uh, a whole heap of uh, what would now be archaic, but but the foundations of some of the great um, uh, online transacting uh, protocols that, that are there today. So. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, doing a little bit of um, strategic consulting for another organisation who were doing something at the time we called hosting. Uh, I guess now we'd probably call it cloud. Uh, yeah, but, wow. um, but it was it was an early generation, um, you know, SaaS model effectively that we had back there uh, until I found my way to to SPL, which at a later stage became Oracle Utilities. Uh, who who specialised in that space and um, and since then that's been my my life and ambition to to make the uh, the best of what we do make the biggest difference out there. 
Yeah, we're seeing some people now sort of like move from working in utilities back into big data, but it's so inter interlinked, oh, isn't it? I yeah. mean, particularly, yeah. I mean, the thought now of, you know, half hour meter billing and having all those reads, etc. I mean, with all that data, what with with things like the half hour meter reads, what's the point of what's the point of doing it? Why is why is that really important in the industry? So I guess it depends where exactly you sit, because there is a different value level around uh, you know, right throughout. From a consumer perspective, and I, I say for a consumer, and I also say it from the utilities relationship with the consumer, I mean, we've gone to, to five minute settlements here in Australia, which is an incredibly short time frame. Um, but even at 15 minute interval reads and the like, what you start to get is a much better profile of usage in a, in a more granular level. We can go from that into understanding, you know, what those energy uses are of, of an individual. And, and we spend a lot of time doing disaggregation of, of energy consumption to help both the utility and the customer understand what's the composition of my bill and how do I make you know, better energy choices? And uh, indeed, am I using energy at a time when I could be using it in a better model with the utilities blessing? Because let's never forget that utilities set up tariffs that encourage people to use energy when we want to amortize it across the day. So, so if we can work together to, to help showcase that and get that behavioral change in a consumer, it's, um, it, you know, it's a benefit for everyone involved. So yes, you, you can certainly get the value out of a, a more granular set of data at that level. Uh, you can, from a, a generation and load planning perspective, do, do a heck of a lot more once we understand down below the feeder level, what's gonna happen in that, that energy space. Um, I'm really interested in the future to see how, you know, the advent of smart metering or, or even down to a more, anything less granular than a three monthly view of how much water I used uh, will actually change the profile. As, as we said earlier, I, I mean, water will be a major, major challenge in, in the decade ahead of us. Uh, we are going to get to need to get to a place where we understand fluctuations in usage and what drives it. And that could help us from a perspective of, of detecting outages even earlier than before or helping the customer understand if the you know, leakage is on their side of the meter or if it's actually out subterranean, you know, up, up in, <laughs> about to create a sinkhole underneath the major traffic <laughs> intersection. So there's a lot, a lot that we can certainly expect that that level of data granularity could help with. Um, and I think that they, there are so many um, cases right now where utilities are just starting to, they, they're very rich with data but they're unable to actually wrap their arms around it until now, until now that they've actually been able to embrace things like artificial intelligence rather than entering their data set with a theory of what I'm looking for and exploring that theory and then going on and moving to the next one, a role yeah. we call data science for a long time. Artificial intelligence changes that so much because it's perpetually learning what to look for 
and advancing, you know, and, and finding those things and, and shaping the parameters it can use to find those things as it's going forward. Yeah, it's kind of that's that's I hadn't thought about the AI side of things coming into it. I think obviously ChatGPT is the new you know the new buzzword, but obviously it goes a lot lot deeper. And as you said, you know analysis paralysis in terms of the data side yeah. is, is something as well. You know you've got all this information. It's trying to it's trying to make sense of that one. But no, I yeah. think it's um, when when you go back to things like the water meters and things like that. That was actually how I first started in utilities. It was a summer job installing water meters. Right. I remember in the UK that was quite unpopular because people had all always been they paid a fixed amount month for the amount of water they were using um, yeah. and suddenly by doing this what was then happening is that we were then seeing the secondary effect of that which is where people were going oh you know I've just had my water bill through and it's you know 10 times what I was paying mm. um, and then you find out that you know you, you ask them to switch everything off you look at the water meter and the water meter is flying around and around and around and it's like mm. you know okay there's a leak somewhere and, yeah. and I think part of that was trying to educate the public to say that the reason that we're doing this is not because, you know, it's big brother looking, but guess what? You pay for the amount of electricity, the amount of gas, the amount mm. of telephone calls you make. So water is only the next one along. But actually, yeah. it helps the it helps the industry understand where that water is going to, because if you can't sort the leakage out and like everything, if you yeah. can't measure it, you can't manage it. You know, it's yeah, very so. difficult to sit there and say, ah, oh, yeah, we think you're using too much. Well, yeah, mm. let's let's let, let, let's prove it and let's go onwards from here. So yeah. Yeah. what what changes do you see? coming ahead in terms of um, where the industry is going to be you know we've seen quite a big change over the last 20 plus years of, mm. of, of it what do you see in the future is there is there anything uh, yeah what's what's well, what's Matt's prediction yeah yeah aging population you know aging well, aging yeah. aging people in the industry so so you know what would you tell the next group of guys coming in guys and girls hey this is what it's going to look like well, I think it'll be good because I I figure we've what we've done, and perhaps it's part of the reason we've had challenges in the water industry and in the um, uh, the energy industry is we've tried to hire for the skills that are about to retire, and um, and I think what we're going to see in the future is that's a different set of skills. Uh, you know, the the engagement levels and the ability to to drive decision making is going to be much much greater at the the engineering level as we'd have traditionally called it in the past um so so i think we'll be problem solvers a lot more and that's exciting for for somebody who's come out of building their theory through education and now wants to put it into practice, um, it, it could be a really good bastion for us to grow grow skills in, in the industry. Uh, we, for instance, uh, you know, products of ours, which would have traditionally been in the, the engineering space, you now have the ability to adapt those using tools like Python and others. And that's, that's become, you know, something that people want to get engaged with. And, and I'm talking, the next generation, current generation, and going forward. So, um, so I think that'll be exciting. I think artificial intelligence plays a big role in the future. And what I think that will do is it will actually start to highlight the things that we uh, that we probably suspect were true, either on the grid or in the usage profiles of customers 
or, or in the the performance of of our our business processes or whatever that might be that'll start to really highlight that and and shine a light on some of those things in the areas where we can improve and uh, i think we all go through a process of anticipating where we think the next improvement comes from but it's done heuristically so we're always thinking about it from a point of view of i can observe something i can make a change and now we've got this friend that's actually able to to do that at a scale that we just haven't been able to uh, with the data sets that we are as i say struggling to wrap arms around is this so, O-Power, is, is, is this where opower comes into it because i mean i find that incredible that yeah you know the utilities are telling customers how to use less of their product it's the only you know it's the only retail out there where you're trying to say please use less of us um and and, and yeah. here's the reasons why and you know the incentives i find that incredible very very fascinating part of the business well, it is, and of course, you've got that challenge of who's motivated the most to do it. Um, as soon as the motivation for the company that can supply those insights is diminished, um, then that does that does change things. But look, we we've seen different models. Certainly, um, with O Power, the, the, I can see energy poverty and and the cost of energy for a lot a lot of people, both in where you're living and where I'm living, is a very very real thing right now. Um, and the cost for a, a a retail company to to have a customer go delinquent or or to not be able to pay their bills, uh, you've still got as bigger costs involved in in trying to manage that as you do as if you could engage them and actually help them through the process and whether that's figuring out payment my uh, cycles for them or or even helping them to to fit their energy usage within budgets and that sounds callous but it's it's a little bit of the reality of where the energy cost cycles have gone in around the planet around the globe in in the last couple of years so so I, I think that it can play a big role in in that, but you need the the motivation, and and the motivation has to come from government support, it has to come from you know the way the regulations are built, and and also the relationship you you want to have with that customer. Because if you, I mean, we will have those situations we were talking of earlier where we're going to have times where we want to engage the customer in something that they can elect to do that helps the greater good. And um, I see people feeding left their remaining um, solar rooftop energy into community batteries that then service the uh, low to middle income um, users out there, which, I mean, that's a tremendous way to think of how the energy future could be set up. Um, I think, you know, even things like having customer willing to phone in and report that they've seen water leakage on the side of the street um, or, or pooling underneath, uh, you know, a tap out at a parkland or something like that. You know, they, the level of trust and engagement goes a long way to what, what the costs of running the business can be. So so it pays all, all the re- returns if you can have a good customer engagement. That's, that is where O-Power really does, does surface its biggest value. I was chatting to a guy in um, San Diego and he worked for one of the West Coast um, hydro 
companies and he said the problem is the electricity is so cheap and i was like sorry there's a problem he said yes, yes. he said <laughs> we now have an awful lot of Bitcoin miners who turn up because, of course, electricity is the oh. biggest consumption they have. And yes. he said, we also get a lot of marijuana farms going there since oh, it's been right. legalized. Right. Um, and he said, the problem then is, is that you're then actually trying to persuade the community to use elec less, less, less electricity. Um, but he said, when it's three, three cents a kilowatt, he said, oh. there's no incentive because no. why would Matt decide, oh, I'm not going to switch my hot tub on. I'll, I'll, no. I'll keep it off. He said, there is an incentive. So I'd, I'd never thought about actually cheap electricity can create problems. You know, there's, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and it really was quite surprising to me. He nearly fell off my chair because I think at the time we were paying 50 pence a kilowatt. So I converted right. it to US dollars and I said, oh, yeah, we're paying 80 cents. And he said, 18 cents. He said, that's a lot. I said, no, 80 cents. Um, and yeah, yeah, he nearly fell off his seat. So uh, yeah, it was yeah. quite it was quite interesting. It's it's come down a bit. It's only thirty pence a kilowatt hour here. Well, um, it's but heading then, in the right direction. <laughs> well, it's so heading in the right direction. You don't yeah. want to, to go to three cents because then people don't care if they switch the lights off or or you know run the dishwasher in the middle of the night. Um, you know those things. Yeah. That, and, and it's true of water. I, I believe that entirely, that water is way too cheap. It certainly is in our country. Um, and that's no criticism. It's just, unfortunately, that's the way it, it sort of began its life. And you can only inch it up little by little until, sadly, until there's something catastrophic enough that you say, OK, mm. we, we need to change things here. And um, there the cost of, of treated water is one of those areas. And I believe it's the same of waste service as well. If if we were paying the genuine price that it costs to uh, get rid of waste, um, yeah, we would we'd probably start to think more consciously of what that, that, ta that how we could change it. Uh, ultimately, yeah. that's what we want people to be thinking about. Sounds good. All right, Matt, well, look. Um, I think from my point of view, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciated that. And as I said, it was just a, a good good opportunity to have a catch up. And yeah, um, yeah look, I'll look forward to seeing you. Um, how's the, how's the new, new structure of the business going now? Because there's been a couple of changes within the, the, the energy part. Yeah, look, it's good. Uh, we're, um, I think what we've done is we've, we've figured things out so that the, the utilities we work with, as well as some of those new entrants, they don't have the problem of having to go to six different people to understand what we do. Um, always been a, a challenge when you have a big portfolio of capabilities, how do you have one person who can tell the story? I won't say that we've solved it by letting every single person tell the story, but, but we're improving in that direction and, and we've got the experts that they can pull in to help further the story. So, I think it's it's a good transformation for us, um, and and hopefully that what that helps is it starts to bring us into mind where problem solving is required, and that's that's really where we shine. I think. Yeah, good good chance to use the matter. Of course, I should of course, say. Of course, right? yeah, quite right too. Be, uh, yes, very ungratitude, uh, uh, unrealistic for me to think it could be done any other way. <laughs> well, there we are. There we are. I play. I play a small part in it, but uh, yes, oh, as they say, every 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 little bit helps. So, all right, Matt. Right, you take it easy. Thank you very much for your time, and have a good evening. Pleasure. Have a good night. Cheers, Matt. See you later. Bye bye. <laughs>